Boraway Army and fellow music fans, I'm Kayla. And I'm Bethany, and we're the hosts of Standing BTS from the Consequence Podcast Network. We're a bi-weekly show that covers the impact and legacy of K-pop group BTS. We mix the perfect blend of research and fangirl as we take a deep dive into lyrics during album reviews, theorize over music videos, and keep up with their current events. No BTS topic is off limits. We welcome everyone into the conversation, whether you're a casual fan, committed ARMY, or someone who's just curious about one of the biggest music groups in the world. Come chat with us every other Thursday with a new episode wherever podcasts are found. Hello, welcome to Good for a Weekend. The podcast where two friends reminisce Taylor Swift's third studio album. (laughs) I'm MK Ashford. And I'm Cressy Cornis. And today we are discussing, as Cressy said, Taylor Swift's third studio album, Speak Now. Taylor has been giving us a lot of hints that Speak Now is her next re-recording. So before that happens, we wanted to take a trip down memory lane and revisit Speak Now. The songs, the milestones, its impact in culture, the style, and of course, the perfumes. The most important part. (laughs) Speak Now was Taylor's first and only entirely self-written album, and it was released in October 2010, so... Let's give some context into what was going on at that time, the vibes of 2010. Yeah, let's hear it. If you were listening to the radio, the top five songs of 2010 were TikTok by Kesha, Banger, Need You Now by Lady Annabellum, Hey Soul Sister by Train, California Girls by Katy Perry featuring Snoop Dogg, and OMG by Usher featuring Will I Am. What a lineup. Wow. Yeah. I can like distinctly remember those times. Like I was, <laughs> I was twelve and you were thirteen. We were middle school. Mm-hmm. I can seventh and eighth grade. Yep, I can feel all those songs in my soul. The top movies of the year were Inception, Toy Story, The Social Network, How to Train Your Dragon, and Black Swan. Also interesting. Great movies. Good movie for good year for movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, the iPad was first released. There was a pandemic of the swine flu happening. Little did we know it was going to get worse. Yeah, I remember when that felt like a really big deal. Yeah, um, it was like scary. But I looked, there was only 12,000 deaths in the States. And that sounds horrible to say only 12,000. There's like, um, we're at like a million plus for COVID. Yeah. Lost, the TV show, had its season finale, which um, sad for me. <laughs> and... Of course, the most important thing on this list so far was that the X Factor gave us One Direction in 2010. So, big times. Good stuff was happening in music at that time. Shout out to Simon Cowell. Honestly, thank you. I may owe him my life. (laughs) And um, less fun, but Michael Jackson died. He, he died. Yeah. I don't want to say RIP because I know he's like a bad person. I almost said RIP and I was like, wait, I don't know if I should say that. So we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Talking about Michael Jackson is a nuanced topic. Yeah. And we don't have time to get into no, that. No, RIP, I guess. <laughs> you could say ish. You could say rip. It's like less, it's less nice, but you're still saying it. <laughs> yeah. Rip. Rip. So what was your mindset in 2010? What do you remember about the times? 
I was in the eighth grade. I was in yearbook. We were in yearbook together. Mm -hmm. Could this have been when we became friends? It definitely was not because I remember when I got into yearbook in high school and I like wanted to Facebook you about it or something, but I was nervous because we like weren't friends. But I like wanted to be your friend. Oh, okay. So I like thought about saying something to you. But I think I uh-huh. posted it on my Facebook and you commented. And I remember distinctly being like, maybe we'll be friends because you commented on my Facebook post. And look at us now. Maybe I'm a mastermind. I plotted this whole thing. Were you the mastermind all <laughs> along? Did you manifest this entire podcast? I can't believe I really remember that that happened. But I do. <laughs> so maybe I am a mastermind. Yeah, 2010 was rough. I I had scoliosis. I slept in a brace every night, and that uh, built a lot of character. I think it's why I'm funny today. And I had excellent taste in music. I won't even lie. I had had an uh, eye touch. Remember eye touches? Oh, yeah. I had fun. I listened to Pandora, and I had excellent taste in music. What about you, MK? Um, I think I probably didn't have excellent taste in music. Um. I was probably only listening to Speak Now and the radio. So, like, that's okay. That prepared you for this moment. Yeah. All those songs on the top five songs of 2010, like, I loved those songs. So, yeah. <laughs> I was like a radio girl through and through, but my mom didn't let me start listening mm-hmm. to the real radio till like sixth or seventh grade. So, I was like very excited to listen to the trendy songs because I didn't have to listen to the Disney radio anymore. Yeah, and that's funny because the radio like censors songs. Like that's already the clean version. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I think it was the content. Got sheltered. <laughs> but I was allowed anyway, to listen to Taylor Swift. So that's all that matters for the the purposes of this episode. Yeah. So now that we've given context for the year 2010, let's give some context on what was happening with our girly pop Taylor herself. So her last album at this time was Fearless, which won two Grammys. Taylor wrapped up her Fearless tour in July 2010, and the 2009 VMAs with Kanye West interrupting her was just a year prior. So a lot was going on in her life, and people were anxiously awaiting this third album. She was like really riding a high. She also had a significant style change at this time. This is where we first saw her lean a little less country, a little less fringe and glitter, and more 50s vintage housewife style. This was a turning point in Swifty history. When she stopped dressing like a 20-year-old and started dressing like a 45-year-old? Yes, this was the time. This is when we first saw her in her vintage two-piece high-waisted bathing suits. No one was wearing high-waisted bathing suits at this time. Not a soul. Yeah. It was groundbreaking. I remember thinking those were terrible. It was a it was a time. It was a choice. Uh in addition to this 50s housewife style, we also got a hint of a boho free people look. Like, think the glittery headbands across the forehead, uh, the flowy blouse is very free people. It was a fun era that really just emphasized her youngness at this time. I mean, she was 20, 21 this year. So she was a baby and she was dressing like it. It was a fun year for her style. She was getting experimental. She really fooled us into thinking that we could pull off headbands over our foreheads. It never works because it bunches up and then you get mushroom hair. But man, did she pull it off? She looked cute, yeah. 
Yeah. So now that we have grounded ourselves in 2010, the time and place were there in our minds. Let's get into the making of Speak Now. So Speak Now was entirely written by Taylor with zero co-writers. Speaking on a live webcast on July 20th, 2010, she said, quote, I actually wrote all the songs myself for this record. It didn't really happen on purpose. It just sort of happened. Like, I'd get my best ideas at 3 a.m. in Arkansas, and I didn't have a co-writer around, and I would just finish it, end quote. Taylor worked with a producer named Nathan Chapman to create the album's sound, which features a mix of country, pop, and rock influences, and Nathan Chapman also worked on debut, Fearless, Red, in 1989. That feels interesting, so I, like, don't know that man. Yeah, he's definitely responsible for the songs with Country Twang. So on 1989, the only song he worked on is You Are In Love. Okay. Once she went to full-on pop, uh, that was not his um, specialty anymore. So that's why we haven't seen them work together in a while. But all of her quintessential country sound is him. He's very talented. Gotcha. Okay, that makes more sense. So the original title for Speak Now was going to be Enchanted. And according to Scott Borchetta, he said in an interview, quote, we were at lunch and she had played me a bunch of the new songs. I looked at her and I'm like, Taylor, this record isn't about fairy tales in high school anymore. That's not where you're at. I don't think the record should be called Enchanted. Taylor then came up with the title Speak Now, saying in a later interview, quote, I think it's such a metaphor, that moment where it's almost too late and you've either got to say what it is that you're feeling or deal with the consequences forever. And this album seemed like the opportunity for me to speak now or forever hold my peace, end quote. How do you feel about the title change? I get it, but I think it's, I find it very interesting now that it's been years of listening to Enchanted and Speak Now, both of those songs, because I feel like Enchanted is such a more mature song than Speak Now is. So I just find it very interesting Scott Borchetta's reasoning that it's kind of immature, like she needs to grow up a little bit, when I feel like Enchanted is such a such mature songwriting in comparison to Speak Now. I love both songs, but I just find it interesting. Yeah, I think that this is a hot take, but I completely agree that Speak Now is a better title. Yeah. I don't – I think if you're just thinking about the titles, it makes so much more sense than Enchanted because – like this album truly is the kind of album where you she's just laying it out there and she's been way more emotionally intense on this album than she ever had in the past and so you know things like dear john and better than revenge and last kiss it feels like stuff that you just desperately like need to get out of your body and like out of your mind and say it mm -hmm. and i don't think enchanted when you hear that word or even really the sound of the song, it doesn't really like fit the vibe of the rest of the album. And so I agree with him and I think he made a good choice. And I I think the issue that people have with it is relating it back to the track, Speak Now, because that song is very like... Simple. Yeah, it, it's a story. It's like kind of silly and not serious. And But I like to think, when I think about Speak Now, I think about when she opened the tour and she was she like made a speech it was like I don't think you should wait I think you should speak now and that mm -hmm. gives me like chills and that is like to me what the album is about I agree yeah I think it was a good move at the end of the day yeah 
So the recording process for Speak Now took place over a period of several months in Nashville and was mixed by engineer Justin Nyback. Nyback? There's no way to know. The mixing of Speak Now was inspired by 1950s and 1960s music to evoke a, quote, vintage and retro vibe and give it a sense of authenticity. I never really thought about this. Had you? Like, had you picked up on that? I didn't either. And that's why I, I wrote this episode. And I wanted to include this in here so we could talk about it because I'm not sure other than the song Meme where I get a vintage vibe. But maybe this is like deep within the production that it's just things that our ears don't pick up. Yeah, I think I could kind of see it because it's a little bit more like stripped back and guitar forward. Pretty much the whole album when you think about the track list. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I could see what they mean by that. It's like it's like less yeah. produced. I feel like Fearless was kind of like loud in the background and this one felt more stripped. So maybe that's kind of what they mean. Yeah. I really am not smart enough in music terms to like really understand that. Nor am I. And anyone listening, if you can think of references that make this 50s and 60s like in the background of songs, let us know. Point it out. Let's listen. Let's give this a listen. Speaking of listening to songs, why don't we talk about them? Speak Now contains... Mine, Sparks Fly, Back to December, Speak Now, Dear John, Mean, The Story of Us, Never Grow Up, Enchanted, Better Than Revenge, Innocent, Haunted, Last Kiss, Long Live, Ours, If This Was a Movie, and Superman. Speak Now in total is one hour and seven minutes long. Debut was around 40 minutes and Fearless was around 53 minutes, so this became her longest album. Speak Now stayed her longest album until Folklore tied with it. Then the re-recordings came out and they're like two and a half hours long. So that's long gone. But for a while, this was the longest album. So here are some fun facts about the songs. Uh, Until the 10-minute version of All Too Well, Dear John, was Taylor's longest song at 6 minutes and 45 seconds. If you guys hear my cat meowing, sorry, she has a lot to say. Well, if you hear your cat meowing, we shall say, hey, Stella be polite and say hello Stella do you want to say hi anyway next fun fact Taylor performed Innocent at the 2010 MTV VMAs which was widely interpreted as a message to Kanye West obviously because of the whole interruption that had just happened and it was seen as a powerful statement of forgiveness and maturity oh how the tables have turned (laughs) Yeah, things are different now. Things are real different. (laughs) Things have changed. So this is a fact that I found very interesting. I did not know this. I did not know this at all. The inspiration for the song Speak Now, Taylor said, quote, The song was actually inspired by one of my friends. She was telling me a story about her childhood sweetheart crush guy. They were together in high school and then went their separate ways. I understood it as they were going to get back together. She comes in and tells me that he's getting married. He had met this other girl who was a horrible person. She made him stop talking to his friends, cut off his family ties, and made him so isolated. And randomly, I was like, oh, are you going to speak now? End quote. I didn't know the story behind that song. Maybe I'm a bad Swifty. No, I didn't know that either. I just thought that this was something in her imagination, you know? Yeah, I thought she just made it up to be like silly. Yeah, 
it's weird listening to it now knowing this me like oh this is about a person kind of next fun fact billboard wrote an article called why taylor swift speak now is her best album it was written in 2017 and it contains one of the most i don't even know how i'm just gonna have i'm gonna read it i'm gonna read it quote Taylor Swift's third album, Speak Now, opens with one of her best songs. Mine is pure platinum pop country perfection, as well as an amalgam amalgam of what had already made Swift a record-breaking superstar at the age of 20. Open-hearted romanticism, a careful balance of pop hooks and gentle twang, and the kind of evocative lyrics that can transport you right back to the halls of your high school or to that last night out with the one that got away. Try finding a better pop lyric than you made a rebel of a careless man's careful daughter. It may well be popular music's answer to Hemingway's for sale baby shoes never worn. End quote. Now, I love Taylor. I love her to death. But reading that, I was like, we're talking about mine? I know. that I, I mean, I guess the lyrics of mine are really good. I think it's overshadowed by, like, the vibes. Uh-huh. But that is an intent, like, that Hemingway. Yeah, like. <laughs> quote, that is an intense thing to compare to mine by Taylor Swift. Yeah, that's why I wanted to include it. This is just a very intense passage. The whole article is great. It's very complimentive of Taylor and her style and just how great of an album mine is, especially since it was self-written. But I read that. I was like, okay. I mean, all right. I appreciate <laughs> when people who are smart about music, like I said, like I don't, I'm not smart enough to speak about music that way, but I appreciate when people can explain her genius in a way like that because then I feel vindicated in how I feel but I can't explain it especially to the haters in my real life and I just wish I could like have these kinds of things in my back pocket to be like no this is why she's incredible but I don't know if I would compare her to Hemingway especially on that one song but I'm just gonna say it mine is great mine's a great song Mm -hmm. love Mm -hmm. it but it is it is not in our zeitgeist like for sale baby shoes never worn I'm sorry. It's just not. Yeah. Oh, that's a very silly comparison. It kind of was. It's very silly. Yeah. It makes us seem so grounded. Anyway, last fun fact. Uh, Better Than Revenge, a very controversial song on the album, uh, contains lyrics like she's better known for the things that she does on the mattress. It's known for being kind of slut shamey. It's it's a very spicy song and it was very spicy at the time and it's still spicy now. But in an interview, I believe it was in 2014, Taylor said about the song, quote, I was 18 when I wrote that. That's the age you are when you think someone can actually take your boyfriend. Then you grow up and realize no one can take someone from you if they don't want to leave, end quote. So obviously Taylor would not put something like that out today. She has grown up and matured a little bit, but still a good song. I know. I kind of wish she still would. It's fun to be a (laughs) hater sometimes. Yeah. I I love Better Than Revenge. It really describes how you feel at that age. You know, like it's, I love Mm -hmm. it. It's angsty and like, I don't know. What if she did suck? I don't know her, but maybe. (laughs) Yeah. Who are we to judge? I mean, the slut shaming, like maybe we don't do that, but maybe she did go through life like it's a party and she's on the list, you know? 
I do think the vintage dress line is hilarious, though, because Taylor loves vintage dresses. I know. I know. That is funny. I've never thought about that. That line has always struck me as odd. I'm like, girl, look down. (laughs) That's so funny because that's always been one of my favorite lines. I think I just like the cadence, especially of the second verse. It's so fun to sing, but I've never thought about the fact that Taylor Mm -hmm. also really like does that. That's so funny. And started in this time period. Yeah. Okay. If you had to pick one, could you pick one favorite? song on speak now like do you have one that you're so passionate about Uh, i think okay i would like to rephrase the question okay i would like to rephrase it as what was your favorite back then and what is it now see because for me it's evolved me too but i think in both times i have never been able to pick one i always have a holy trinity for every Taylor Swift album. And that is how I live my life. Yeah. So I think when I was in seventh grade, I very much remember my Holy Trinity being enchanted back to December and probably Dear John. Okay. Maybe mine and ours. I don't know. I'm really bad at picking favorites, Cressy. <laughs> and what about now? Yeah, none of those are on mine now. Now I would say Sparks Fly, Story of Us, Last Kiss. Okay. So mine back in the day, 1000% The Story of Us. I loved The Story of I Us. Me too. This is looking like a contest of who can act like they care less. It's just like such a perfect song to have when you're in school Mm -hmm. and you have crushes like it's perfect and I I think I've said this on the podcast a million times before but it's like the perfect Facebook status song Mm -hmm. there are so many just quippy little lines just like banger after banger after banger of things you could have put as your Facebook status in 2010 and I I loved the story of us now I'm older and I I'm very rarely in crowded places looking for a seat. <laughs> and it's a place where I know every person in the room, <laughs> like you do in school. That's, you know? that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. I don't relate to it anymore because I'm just the, even in college, like you don't know everyone in your classes, you know? But uh, now it is definitely Enchanted. Oh. Enchanted is just that song. It's Enchanted is iconic. And I love Enchanted. Uh, some notable mentions I would like to give Last Kiss. I think Last Kiss is so underrated. And also Long Live. Long Live is just special. Yeah. Um, I think Haunted is extremely underrated. Like insanely yeah. underrated. And honestly, Never Grow Up too. I mean, it's really sad, but like it's a good one. And now that I have nieces and I like i don't know i'm an adult now i'm like dang that kind of hits different um fun fact about never grow up uh when mk and i were in yearbook together i was in charge i don't remember what year it was of like doing the end of your slideshow and i did it to never grow up by taylor swift i like, do not even remember that so sorry <laughs> it's it okay. feels like something i would have loved i probably did it at the time 
Yeah, it was like childhood pictures of all of us. It was very cute. Very tasteful. That is really cute. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I feel like our songs like swapped. I did. I like I loved Enchanted back then, but I think I yeah. overdid it. Like I, you know, mm. like now when I think when I hear Enchanted, I think about like middle school, you know. Mm. And it's funny that you said that about the Facebook statuses because I very distinctly remember being in seventh grade and making my Facebook status like probably almost the whole first verse like but it was about like the passing notes and secrecy and all that and this really 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 weird boy that I was in band with in middle school like say the name let's beep it out I genuinely like don't remember his name I could see his face like you wouldn't even know him like he was weird okay but I remember he like DM'd me or whatever it was called back then. He messaged me and was like, Is that about me? <laughs> what? It's amazing. I was like, no, it's a Taylor Swift lyric. <laughs> That's so funny. I know. I think about it all the time. Like almost every time I listen to Enchanted. Do you know what I think about in regards to Facebook statuses like all the time? Hmm. do you remember when like movies would play on tv channels back in the day Mm -hmm. one time forrest gump was one of those movies it was like on tv i don't know i couldn't tell you what channel i don't know but i was watching forrest gump and i made my facebook status life is like a box of chocolates you know like whatever that quote is because i was watching it yeah and this boy emilio ausgearson yeah i'm name dropping he commented on it something like, wow, copy much or like, wow, poser much. Apparently, he had posted that same status like a minute before me because I guess he was watching the movie too, but I didn't see that. I was like, the movie's on right now. Like, we could both be, I'm sure we are watching this at the same time. And I was like, buzz off, Emilio. I'm not copying you. What a hater. That's- and also, you didn't come up with that. <laughs> yeah. You stole <laughs> Did that. Did you write that? Like- that is so funny. <laughs> oh, my God. So that's uh, something I think of from time to time. Whenever I think about Forrest Gump, I think about being accused of plagiarizing a very popular movie. Okay, this is like rolling really off on a tangent. But when I was in, I guess I had to have been in middle school because it was on my Facebook. But I literally was probably like. 12 years old and I was watching Mean Girls for the first time and then I made my Facebook status would you like us to assign someone to butter your muffin because I didn't know what it meant and everyone laughed and so I was like that must be really funny so I made it my Facebook status and my friend's mom sent it to me and was like hey I don't like I think you should delete this and I was so embarrassed Oh, no. so embarrassing. Anyway, just like the movie quote Facebook status brought that trauma back to me. Yeah. For anyone who didn't have a Facebook in 2010, that's what you did. You watched a movie and then you added status updates of quotes from the movie. That was just the culture back then. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, anyway, (laughs) let's talk about the reception to speak now close it out on a fun high note and talk about everything that speak now achieved in its time 
It honestly had a really huge impact on pop culture when it was released because it debuted at number one on the Billboard charts with sales of over a million copies. And Speak Now was the 16th album in the United States history to sell one million copies in a single week. That's crazy to me. I know. I know. That's like, don't, doesn't that happen a lot now? Yeah. I mean, not as much as it used to. Yeah. But um, it was so interesting to me that I would have guessed like a hundredth at yeah, that time, you know? I know. Like, we're in like the Beatles big. Like, what What about that? They're probably in the top I'm 16 confused. too. So. Yeah, maybe they were uh, one through 15. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, currently the album still holds a score of 77 out of 100 on Metacritic. All 14 songs on the album and the three bonus tracks have charted on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100, and 11 of them have charted concurrently. At the time, this made her the third artist in history and the very first female artist to have over 10 concurrent Hot 100 hits. That's really impressive. She's like always just breaking little records and then she was like 20. The more she's so cool. Speak Now was the only album in history to spawn 17 Hot 100 hits. It produced four top 10, seven top 20, and nine top 30 hits. Good for her. Wow. So all in the top 30. Taylor's Speak Now World Tour was sold out, and she made a really banging live album from that tour. I (laughs) love that album. Drops of Jupiter. Drops of Jupiter, Betty Davis Eyes, and the mashup of You're Not Sorry and It's Too Late to Apologize. Oh Mm -hmm. my gosh. They mm, kill me. Highly underrated. So good. I like really, I think about that album a lot. Mm -hmm. I wish she could re-record that. (laughs) Just get her in an arena somewhere and let her do it. The album was included in several year-end lists, such as Rolling Stone's Best Albums of 2010 and the Times Top 10 Albums of 2010. Taylor later released two perfumes with Elizabeth Arden, inspired by the album called Enchanted and Wonderstruck. Cressy, did you own either of those? Had both. Both? Had both. I still got them under my bed right now. I was a Wonderstruck girly. I actually, um, my mom... And this girl named Brittany I was friends with, they told me I smelled like an old lady when I used them. So I actually never used them. And that's why I have two full bottles under my bed. Well, I kept them for like years, like a lot of years probably. And I would, like back in the day, I would get like random perfumes and just like use whatever. And I remember one day I wore the Wonderstruck and I loved that perfume. Like it was just perfectly like a little musky. Like I, it was, it, Mm -hmm. it was so like warm and deep i loved that smell and my mom gagged and told me it was offensive to her nose so yeah i never wore it again either yeah what's with the haters <laughs> what is with yeah them? it's a quirky scent just but... let us wear our celebrity perfume like i'm proud of her for not doing a really bland floral whatever like she was yeah vanilla yeah she was interesting, and I yeah. loved it. But anyway, but anyway, I yeah, I have two full bottles under my bed. Well, maybe we should wear them to the concert and waft it at her, so that she can know that we're like true fans. Yeah, I can't imagine wearing that now because now I am the like boring, floral, like calm scent kind of girl. So. Well, you know what? I have all four of Taylor's perfumes. Let's just layer them. Let's just mix and match all four. <laughs> Dump it on our. The third one smells like shit. 
I'm not gonna really? lie with you guys. Third one smells like shit. Don't even remember what it's called. It smells. It just smells like department store perfume. Mm-hmm. You know, like a, that mix whenever you walk into a department store. And fourth one is my favorite. I don't remember what the fourth one's called. It was during the 1989 era. I don't even remember her releasing more than these two, so that's kind of crazy. That one's my favorite. But anyway, Speak Now was also ranked number 359 <laughs> on Rolling Stone's list of the 500 greatest albums of all time. That is so cool. As it deserves. Like, every time we talk about Speak Now or it's brought up to me, like, I never put it even in my top three of my favorite Taylor albums, to be honest. But the when I think about it, I'm like, wait is it though like it's so good it is it's really perfect like it did get some criticism that i saw while researching for being too bloated of an album and the songs being too long but that was perfect to like 12 13 year old me i don't think it's a bloated album for like the traditional album like standard edition was only 14 songs that's really not that long and i was thinking because i was looking at the lengths there lined up and most of them there's only two that are under four minutes (laughs) no three there are three songs that are four minutes and like that's that's like those are some long songs for them all to be over four minutes that's like that's a lot yeah it's wild in comparison to today when songs are like a minute and a half yeah and i mean it's long but like they were all so good beautiful storytelling yeah really intricate lyrics and the fact that she wrote it by herself at 18, 19, 20, like that is on tour nuts. That is so impressive because these songs are yeah. probably lyrically, this might be lyrically one of her best albums. I completely agree. Like Dear John is among her most well-written songs ever. Again, bringing it back to it being all in seven minutes long, just the repeats of I should have known and then ending on you should have known after seven minutes of it. Just brilliant. Mm-hmm. And like Last Kiss, that was over six minutes. And that song is just that's gut wrenching. And it's like so. Oh, my God. Twins. <laughs> it's so stripped back. But like you can like feel it when you listen to it. It's so sad. Yeah, that's one of those songs that when you relate to it you want to hold on to that song like so tightly for as long as you can relate to it because it's like that good Mm -hmm. not to like wallow in sadness or anything but I can think of like one period in my life where I just really related to that and having that song it was like wrapping myself in a warm blanket you know it was so good like honestly the first time I could relate to it I was like this I always got it. I always knew that it was an incredible song, but when you can relate to it, it's like life changing. Yeah. Not to be dramatic. (laughs) No, it is. It impacted my chemistry. (laughs) 100%. All right, Cressy. Well, that's speak now for you. (laughs) Hopefully it's coming back around too. Yeah, let's see how Taylor's version is. I am so excited. I hope it's coming. I hope we're going to get some bonus tracks. There were a lot of cut songs from this album that I saw on the Taylor Wiki about this album that I'd never even heard of. So hopefully they're a part of it. I'm excited. Honestly, I am nervous for this one to go Taylor's version. I really missed the like loss of emotion and innocence in her voice 
in Fearless and Red, but I don't think it impacted me as much. But this one, like not hearing the shaky breath in Last Kiss or like, you know, like stuff like that or or the just the raw emotion of Dear John, it it might. I'm nervous, but I'll be cautiously optimistic because I know her voice is going to sound great. I I'm excited for it. I think Enchanted is going to sound amazing with a mature Hopefully voice. I think Last Kiss is going to be just as gut wrenching because Your Name Forever, the name on my lips, just got out of a relationship with a guy with the same name. Oh my she God. was uh, right with that lyric. That is so weird, actually. It's gonna have a, a whole new layer to it. Yeah, hearing her sing Enchan- Enchanted over the years at the different tours. It, it like really has grown into something so big and beautiful. And I think that her version of Enchanted will be like a masterpiece. I think it'll be really great. Mm-hmm. And like the production will probably be awesome. Yeah. Mm, same with Sparks Fly. I love Sparks Fly. I always thought that it, that was the opener of the album. Like literally today I opened it and I was like, wait, it doesn't start with Sparks Fly. But I think it's because she started the tour with Sparks Fly. Yeah. And so it feels like such an opener song to me. It does. It does. You're valid in that. Yeah. So that was Speak Now. Thank you guys for listening. Let's close out with some quick nightmares and daydreams. Do you want to go first, MK? Yeah, sure. So in true MK fashion, um, they are real this time, but they are both about reality TV. So shocker. My nightmare, mm-hmm. and I hope I'm not the only one who had to experience this, was Netflix's attempt at a live reunion for Love is Blind. Did you see the discourse on that? I'm sure you did because you're online chronically. Yes, it blew up on Twitter. Yeah. yeah. So I. Yes, famously. I actually downloaded Twitter again for the first time in, <laughs> I don't know, three years to see if Netflix was tweeting about it or if everyone else was tweeting, like, what's going on? What's going on? Because I knew that would be the place where people would be like, when does it work? Is anyone else is working? So I got on. Of course, it's trending. Everyone's saying it's not working. I was like, oh, God, I'm not the only one. And then Netflix tweeted. Um, it was supposed to start at 8. They tweeted at 8.05, I think. Like, we'll be on in 15 minutes. So sorry. It'll be worth the wait. And then it was radio silence for an hour and a half. Oh, geez. That's distasteful. And it didn't come on. And they didn't say anything. And I was just getting more annoyed, like, with them for not acknowledging it. Than I was that it was late because you're just you're just like sitting on your couch waiting right yeah just like sitting yeah I was sitting on my couch because you can't start anything else then my roommate was like hey I would like to watch watch Succession can I please have the couch I was like yes of course this is so annoying so I go to my room I go to my room get on my laptop and I was like okay well like I guess I'll turn on something else but then I got on TikTok and saw that so many people were going live like live streams of their tv screens so that we could get like notified when it turned on (laughs) so i'm like watching survivor and then on my phone just like sitting off to the side was the live tiktok of someone else's tv like on my phone and then i saw theirs turn on and i got really excited i turned my netflix on mine still doesn't work apparently like only a quarter of the country actually got the live stream so it worked for some people but not most so mine wasn't working so i watched the entire hour-long reunion of Love is Blind on TikTok on someone else's TV. You know what? TikTok lives are the backbone of our nation. I'm just going to say it. 
Yeah. And the girl was a little chatty for my taste. Um, Like, I don't know her like that, but she was chatting about it and like talking to us in the comments and stuff like while the reunion was going on. But she ended up like someone complained about it. And she was like, well, this is my life. Like, you're basically watching this in my house. I'm going to do what I want. And I was like, you know what? You're right. Yeah, Get out of my house. You're right. Like, you're giving this to me. Who am I to complain? How you exercise free speech in your home while you're going live on TikTok. So... Yeah, she's not Netflix. No, I stopped complaining and I watched it and I listened to her commentary and that was that because I didn't want to like go find it somewhere else either. So yeah. Anyway, that was a nightmare. That was terrible. And I can't believe they put us through that. I need a formal apology from Netflix, maybe a free month. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Do you want to give your nightmare? Yes. Uh, Tendinitis. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but having tendonitis sucks. I have tendonitis from running, and I'm in physical therapy, and it sucks. Last week, we did acupuncture. Mm. Also sucks. It hurts. I know it hurts because I'm, like, in pain. You Are know? your tendons and just, like, hurt strained? Yeah, so it's my right knee. That's the worst of it. And all of that stuff around the knee is, like, really inflamed and in pain. Oh, yeah. uh, my knee was all taped up last week and this week is in a sleeve but i'm going to physical therapy i'll get better i'll be fine it's just really annoying because i was really excited to get back into running and exercising uh, my next nightmare is the book the paris apartment uh this is mostly because it uh, made me out to be a fool as i was reading it i was really enjoying myself i was having a lot of fun it's like a mystery whodunit i love that genre and i was recommending it to my friends you know my friends and coworkers be like what you been up to be like i've been reading this really good book it's so good so far i'm really loving it the ending was so bad and so corny i literally reached out to everyone i said that to that i recommended it to to resend it <laughs> it was that bad to be like hey just so you know i take it back like it was actually really bad <laughs> yeah you don't want your name associated with that no i don't i don't so um yeah the ending sucked. It was very poorly written. Just trash. It's like she had like a day to finish it. And she's like, well, I'm going to do this. And it sucked. Uh, yeah, those are my two nightmares. What's your daydream? My daydream. Actually, I'm going to switch it. It's not going to be reality TV. My daydream is that I know it's been back for a while, but I just now started watching it. Ted Lasso season three. Very excited. I love Ted Lasso. I watched like two episodes last night and they were they were pretty good. Like I don't think anything will ever, ever top Ted Lasso season one, but mm. I'll be grateful for as long as it's on air because I love it. Mm, that's it. Nice. I watched Ted Lasso. I binged it when I was on drugs after my boob job, so I don't really remember much about it, but I'm sure I enjoyed it. Uh, you like watched season one and two? Yeah, I like binged the whole thing in a day. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have anything else to do. I was on the couch. I binged it last summer. I watched season one and two, like by myself. And then I told my mom it was so good. Yeah. And she was like, all right, like I'll watch the first episode with you. And then we ended up binging it together in a week. So I watched Ted Lasso season one and two back to back for like <laughs> two weeks straight. Like that's the only TV show I watched for two weeks. And I loved it. Yeah. Loved it so much. Nice. So yeah. My daydream. I have two daydreams. The first one is okay. Well, I actually have three. The first, but but two of them go together. The first one is 
the final season of Succession, and the second one is the final season, not the final season, the second season of Yellow Jackets. Amazing, brilliant, bravo, no notes. I'm loving Succession. It's the last episode three. I was on the edge of my seat. I don't think I looked at my phone the entire time. That says a lot. I'm always on my phone. Yellow Jackets, strong as ever, great story writing, love it. And then my third daydream is a book. It's called Come As You Are. It's a book about women's like sexuality and relationships and our bodies and stuff. I went into it thinking I wasn't going to learn anything. I learned a lot. And I think every woman should read it. Like even if you've been married for decades or you're dating around or you're single, you're in your celibacy era. I think it would help every single cisgendered woman. It is like specific to our anatomy. So that's why I say that. But uh, I do recommend it to all cisgendered women. Interesting. Okay. Thank you for the recs. All right. Well, I think that wraps this up. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for listening to another episode of Good for a Weekend. We are Caressy and MK. You can connect with us on Discord, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. All of that will be linked in our show notes. And all of these sources for this episode will be on our website, gfaweekend.com. Yeah. Thank you guys, and here's to hoping for Speak Now TV. Hell yeah. All right, bye guys. Bye. <laughs> I feel like we need an outro.